0: Tommy, I, I don't think these monsters like us bother them. You got that right, scaredy boy. Get them, monsters! <laughs>
1: yeah. Ah! Yeah. Wait! You monsters don't want to eat us! Why not? Because, <laughs> um, uh, there's a yummy chocolate pudding downstairs in the kitchen.
2: Hmm, chocolate pudding or babies.
1: Hmm,
3: it is a very hard decision. What do you think, Kiki?
1: Oh, definitely pudding. Yeah, I love pudding. Hey, where do you monsters think you're going? Get back here and be scary! Nickelodeon Waiting for you Every day, Nickelodeon
2: Good morning, gut buckets. This is Big Orange Couch, the 90s Nickelodeon podcast, where we talk about all things. 90s Nickelodeon. My name's Joey. I'm Andrew.
0: And I'm Manny.
3: And this is episode 233. We're
2: talking right in episode crossovers. Yes. Our last one was spin off. So this feels almost like a very um almost like a cousin concept. Yeah. You know what I mean? A little, a little like originality in, involved.
3: Yeah. Uh, um, it, it was funny, like, uh, just like coming up with this idea. It seemed like, oh, they must have done a bunch of crossovers. But as I was looking back, I'm like, man, there are very few.
2: Yeah. So let's let's talk about that for a second. Um, <laughs> do you want to go over uh, the history of at least '90s Nickelodeon crossover? Yeah. Um I mean the only one I, I I'm not looking at the list right in front of okay. me. The
3: only one that I immediately remember is um Rock or uh Rugrats
0: and uh Arana Wild Mothers. Thornberries. Oh yeah, yeah. Good call. Y- well that yeah. was a movie. I don't know if that counts. I think it counts. Yeah, Rugrats yeah. Go Wild. Yeah. yeah.
2: Yeah. Um have you seen that, Andrew? Have you seen Rugrats Go Wild? No, I haven't. Oh, Manny, think. have you seen the progress going well?
0: To be honest, I have not. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I like the wild thornberries, but I guess I just didn't make it into that. But I I don't see yeah. why it wouldn't work. I'm sure it was great. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Kind it it of seems like together. a natural pairing. Yeah. Yeah. And and you know, in a, in a lot of these cases like the animation style is either some of the same animators or studio. Yeah. Um, so that works. Uh, you mentioned uh, Ghost Story, Rugrats, and unreal Monsters. Yeah. Um, I think that's probably the most famous uh, one that I had forgotten about. That uh, Quincy sent us was the Cousin Skeeter and Kenan and Kel uh,
0: crossover. Yeah. Whoa,
1: what?
2: Which is at a dude ranch, nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> Wait, Wait a second, did. really? This it's, is true. Yes, although it's not like explicitly said, like that it's the Hey Dude Dude Ranch. Uh huh. They do call it a Dude Ranch. The episode's called The Who I'm Wild Wild West, which is an insane episode title. (laughs) Uh, It's it's a two part episode from the second season of Cousin Skeeter. Uh, And the the synopsis here is uh, Skeeter, Bobby and Nina join Keenan and Kel on a dude ranch vacation. Skeeter and Keenan save Kel and Nina and capture the evil dude ranch owner. Okay. Um, so
0: that's, yeah, I think that's one that's probably pretty slept on. This yeah. gives me kind of a reason to watch Cousin Skeeter now. There you go. <laughs> that might be a third one. I, I got to say, last time I was on, um, we talked about Are You Afraid of the Dark, and I started watching it after we had our last episode and it's a good show. Yes. Yes.
2: Yes. (laughs) Do you have any uh, favorites that you've come across over?
0: Well, I really love the one. I I don't, I'm not good with titles, but I love the one where the movie comes to life. Oh, sure. Uh, Yeah. yeah. Midnight
2: Midnight Madness. I think that's Andrew's favorite.
0: Excellent. It's such a classic feel. And um, this one is my least favorite. But I know it's some of your favorite of your listeners mm. too, so don't hate me too much. But I don't like the uh, the tale of Badge.
3: Oh mm. yeah, yeah. Sure. I wasn't a fan of that one.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it was a good show, and yeah, I've yeah. even gotten a chance to talk into talk to a couple of the guests, um, and we become, I would say, friends. I would say, I got a chance to talk to Lyndon, who is very funny to talk to. <laughs> yeah and um vaughn who's a huge fan of the show great. she's been yeah. really really nice and it's great to have a community of people to talk this type of stuff with and it's been really cool it's been a real positive experience so thank you guys for doing this as well nice yeah um
3: thank
0: yeah you too. i've thank you even too. i've even gotten a chance to talk to cassandra and i got to do an episode with her Awesome. cool yeah.
2: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you found. Are you afraid of the dark? I feel like for us, are you afraid of the dark? Pete and Pete, Rocco, like those are the stuff. If people haven't visited, you know, I think those are what we're pretty enthusiastic. Oh,
0: don't forget fifteen.
2: Oh, sh- oh, sure. I mean, that's that's <laughs> that's kind of fallen into the realm of like I want people to discover it, but I've also given up on uh, what? Hoping, hoping come on, right.
0: <laughs> what? No, come on.
2: Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, and, you know, we should mention for crossovers, there was a couple game show stuff. Like we talked about when um, oh, yeah. Salute Your Shorts were on um Wild and Crazy Kids. I think also Salute Your Shorts had a couple people on Nick Arcade. Yeah,
0: yeah. that's right. Uh, They had uh, Nick and uh, Donkey Lips. Yeah.
2: So they used to do that from the time to time. And I actually, I, I think I prefer that method mm-hmm. of crossover. I, crossover's hard. I get kind of why yeah. shows didn't uh go for it because it's really hard to do naturally. Uh, yeah, especially you know. during this uh
3: time period when all of these shows were very different, very distinct from each other. So uh mixing the kind of styles probably proved I'm a sure, challenging. I'm sure
0: budgets but... probably didn't help either. Cause I mean that was yeah, the early yeah. days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um yeah. All right.
2: Well before we get into that, I did want to say Andrew, the run is over uh, on our <laughs> on, on Renegade Virus. Uh, you finally been defeated on Name the Episode. Uh, so yeah, it was good. Yeah. It, well, it was, but, yeah. <laughs> I got my first victory since October. Nice.
0: <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, Joey, you uh, were just so competitive, man. <laughs> oh yeah, I gotta get that win. Gotta get I, mean, that way. I heard that versus episode and i was like man he is ruthless He's... oh for sure but it's hilarious i love it yeah well i know
2: andrew can take it and he knows i can take it and mm-hmm. you know people yeah. love a little people love a little blood
0: of course <laughs> sure sure it makes things more interesting right yeah
2: <laughs> now for crossover uh what was your guys approach to your stories like what uh did it come fast did you did you struggle with it um i was
3: i mean i had the, like the seed of this maybe we might have even like talked about part of my uh idea at some point or something oh, okay. because I, I had like a seed in the back of my head that was like this is for sure like i for some somehow want to make this work um, Yeah. And I think maybe, well, we'll see. I don't know if I succeeded or not. <laughs> okay,
2: I I have a guess at what you did, and, okay. and we should say we don't know what our crossovers are. Yeah. But I have a I have a guess. There's one that like very late in the game. I'm like, oh, this would have made sense, but um, yeah, you know, mm. I went in a different direction. <laughs> so so before you do it, we'll we'll take our guesses.
1: Okay, okay.
2: okay. Uh, what about you, Manny? Did it come fast? Did you kind of was well... it a struggle?
0: Writing is not my strong skill set because I'm more of a visual guy. That's why mm-hmm. I draw and I paint. But sure. writing was definitely difficult for me, although I did want to take a chance with it. So that's why I sort of just, I thought of it, I, I, like the day that, that you asked me to do this, I thought about it during work and when i was coming home i was just looking at the laptop screen and i just started like (laughs) thinking like maybe this might work so i just wrote a little bit of notes and i wrote i wrote this whole story and i got done with it last saturday around one to two in the morning (laughs) and uh my wife heather who's um background is mainly in English and writing. So I asked her to help me out with this a little bit. Oh, cool. Cause it was, um, let's just say it was very convoluted yeah, <laughs> and sure. there were some twists and turns that didn't make any sense, but she was able to help me out and patch it up a little bit too. So shout out to her for helping me out with this. <laughs> oh yeah. That's nice. That's, that's mainly a... punctuations also and, uh, grammar. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Well, uh, I, I, I really look forward to it. Thanks. I I, I was telling Andrew, I I really struggled with this one. um, Just because it was almost like I had, there was too many options. You know what I mean? Like I, (laughs) I literally started listing shows and like kind of writing what could go with it and crossing stuff out. I mean, I went and I actually ran my idea by somebody and uh, like their reaction was kind of like cringy. (laughs) What? Uh, and uh, no, like totally reasonable. I think I think you'll find that out. Uh, um,
0: well, I mean that Wienerville story was awesome, by the way.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. Well, this is not going to be like that Wienerville. Uh, this is very, this is <laughs> this is very much a possible '90s Nick episode. Mm-hmm. But when I finished it, I was like, "Who is this for?" Like, I don't think I like this episode.
1: <laughs> like, no,
2: no. I think I think I've just written what would be actually like a very middling Nickelodeon episode, which is kind of. <laughs> so you wrote it but it's not for you yeah yeah yeah, i wrote an episode i'd absolutely turn off yeah Uh, i watched it and i turned
0: it off man how's that for a tease everybody stick around for an episode i don't like yeah um (laughs) do you know there'll be one or two people that will be like oh hey
1: that resonates
0: with me i like that i hope so i hope so i hope so um
2: yeah all right. Well, Andrew, do you uh, Well, first off, before Andrew goes, uh, yeah. Manny, do you have a guess? you think you know what Andrew crossed over?
0: Um, if I would have to guess... Um, I don't want to promise you guys
2: that I'll tell you for sure, because if you guess it right, I don't... Uh,
0: uh, Are you going to say the title I'll, first, no, no, or is the title going to come second?
2: You don't have to tell us, Andrew. Let's okay, just okay, be, okay. We'll just be on the record as to what we think. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah
0: okay, sure, sure. I would just say Guts... And Ooh. um salute your shorts.
2: Okay, okay. okay. I'm guessing I'm guessing salute your shorts and hey dude. Whoa, okay. All right. Um <laughs> Are we close, Andrew? <laughs> uh
3: I guess I'll just say like you guys aren't even remotely close. But, uh...
2: <laughs> Perfect. Okay. Perfect. <laughs> hey, cool. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I didn't even do Nickelodeon. I did TGS just... <laughs> Friday.
0: <laughs> <Yeah, yeah. laughs> uh Full House Tournament Fighter. I yeah, love
2: it. T- Full House and Family Matters. Did that actually happen?
0: That sounds. Hmm. I
2: think it I did. Think, I think Urkel walks into the Full House. They do. <laughs> I think yeah. they do. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right, Andrew. Do you wanna? Do you wanna start us? Yeah. Off? Yeah. Okay, I call this one the case of the retryouts.
3: Hmm. I'll yeah. give you a little clue. Uh, this will also get, let you in. Uh, last <laughs> time on fifteen.
1: Whoa! Whoa! Oh wow!
3: <laughs> Dylan wonders if he made the right decision dropping out of school. Billy reconsiders his bullying ways. Ashley and Matt share a dance and get back together. I should say that i totally disregarded um like real life timelines in this like the, oh i see shows like
2: the, the shows didn't
3: air at the same time no yeah okay yeah. okay um though though there is some like i in my mind like these happen at certain this happened at certain points in the different shows you know what i mean okay. like if they had lined up correct right right, right. <laughs> okay this is irrelevant i'll just I just love that it's 15. Okay. So over at the Avalon, Jake spots Ashley in one of the booths. And as he sits down, he says, hey, who's the new girl? Glancing toward the counter, Ashley tells him, she was in my English class yesterday, but she just sat in the back looking at everyone suspiciously. (laughs) Weird time to start on the last day of school, Jake says. You know, I really hate to say this, but I miss Brooke. I bet she's already driving the French people crazy. Speaking of, (laughs) uh, just a little note, uh, Brooke leaves after season three. She moves to France. Yeah. Um, Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Speaking of, you have big plans this summer? No, not exactly, Ashley says. Hey, by the way, where's Courtney? Oh, she and her mom moved to the other side of town, Jake says. I guess it's easier not having to see her every day. She never liked me anyway. Before she left, she told me she still likes Matt. Everybody Uh, likes Matt. Sorry, I I didn't mean... No, it's okay, Ashley says. Actually, he's been acting really... Never mind, it's nothing. Hey, why don't we invite the new girl to come sit with us? She looks sort of lost. Ashley waves the girl over, and she introduces herself and her grandfather as Shelby and Mike Wu. (laughs) When Jake hears their last name, he recognizes it as Chinese and mentions his trip to China last season. Jake and Mike hit it off over Jake's adventures, but their conversation is suddenly interrupted when Matt storms in and crashes down at the table. Without asking, he stuffs a handful of Ashley's fries in his mouth and mumbles, Hey, is he okay? Shelby asks. Noticing the disgusted looks on the Wu's faces, Jake explains he's bulking up for floor hockey tryouts. He's fine, Ashley says. It's just this greasy food. Come on, Matt. Walk me to my locker. As they walk off, Jake tells the woos, sorry about him. He's had a rough year with the drinking and anyway, this this is his last chance to make a team this summer. Uh, That reminds me, I gotta go. I promised I'd help him train. Meanwhile, Grandpa decides he's going to take a look around the school to see if it's good enough to enroll <laughs> Shelby next
2: year. I love, that. I love that Grandpa has to be at school because <laughs> yeah. in 15.
3: Yeah. <laughs> had to find a way to, like, make him be present. Yeah. Um, finally left alone, Shelby explains to us that it was her idea to stop at Hillside while she and Grandpa look for a new place to live after they move out of Cocoa Beach. Through her connections with the police department's with local police departments, excuse me. Uh, she's caught wind of a rash of unexplained melodramatic occurrences at the school and decides decided to try her hand at solving the mystery. What do you think is causing Matt's rude behavior, she asks us. Is it nerves about tryouts? Could it be that he's just a jerk? Or maybe it really is whatever they put in the Avalon's chili fries. Determined to solve the mystery, Shelby heads over to the gym, where she spies the boys getting ready for tryouts. After everybody leaves the locker room, she overhears Matt tell Jake to go ahead without him. Shelby watches Matt get, get himself psyched up and takes a pill from a baggie in his locker. Once he's gone, Shelby sneaks one of the pills and stuffs it in her pocket. Elsewhere, Billy is shoving a kid against the lockers for embarrassing him in front of a girl when Grandpa steps in to defuse the situation. Billy threatens to hit the old man. But Grandpa offers the boy a hug, and Billy breaks down in tears. The next afternoon, Shelby finds Matt, Ashley, and Jake at the Avalon. Shaking and rubbing his arms, Matt excitedly tells them how he scored the goal that got him on the team. But when Shelby asks if she can speak to Ashley and Jake alone, Matt flips out and throws his shake on the floor as he storms off. Everyone is freaked out as Shelby tells Ashley and Jake that she pulled some strings and took one of Matt's pills to the local crime lab to get analyzed. Shelby thinks Matt is on drugs, but Ashley and Jake refuse to believe her after their intervention earlier this season. Either way, Shelby has an envelope containing the answer, which she waited to open until they were (laughs) all together. With their say-so, she rips the envelope open and reads the results, but they indicate no illegal substances. He was probably just taking a regular vitamin supplement, Jake says. I knew he wasn't on drugs. With that settled, Ashley and Jake leave Shelby to her fries, and she asks us, what do you think? Is Matt just being Matt? The way he threw the shake was pretty scary, but maybe he really is just stressed out. Or could the lab results be wrong? Meanwhile, Grandpa runs into Dylan, who's wandering around, uh, thinking about what it would be like if he had stayed in school. Grandpa takes Dylan on a walk around the campus, explaining all the good things he's witnessed while he's been at Hillside, and they wind up outside the office, where Dylan asks to be re-enrolled. Later, Shelby is still picking over her fries at the Avalon when she spots Matt ordering food. She follows him as he scarves down his burger, and he ends up leading her back over to the gym. But instead of going into the locker room, he heads to the basement. Sneaking down the dark corridor, Shelby can hear Matt asking, you got what I came for. When Shelby reaches the bottom of the stairs, she finds Matt and his dealer. And she yells, on behalf of the Cocoa Beach Jr. detectives, I'm ordering you to stop whatever you're doing. It's just us, she hears Jake say, his face obscured under a large hoodie. You mean you're the one who's been selling Matt drugs, Shelby asks? It's not drugs, Matt says. And <laughs> what is it, she asks. There's a moment of silence between them and Jake raises his head to reveal a pair of glowing eyes. What? Shelby <laughs> Shelby. 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 shines her junior detective's flashlight to find Matt holding a hockey stick. What is this, Shelby demands. Who are you, really?
2: Oh my god. It's a, tri- <laughs> it's a triple crossover? Yeah.
1: <laughs> what is this?
3: The kids here call me Jake Deostade. The figure says, Others know me as Jake Desmond but my fans (laughs) call me Jake the Snake.
0: (laughs) Yay! All right!
3: (laughs) The figure raises raises its head and hisses as Shelby stares into its glowing eyes. Shelby, Shelby tells Matt to run, but he can't make himself give up his new abilities. During my adventures last school year, I discovered an ancient hockey stick with magic powers Jake hisses matt will make a fine addition to my snake pit
1: (laughs) with him out of
3: the way courtney will have no choice but to date me (sighs) suddenly a throat clears and shelby turns to find grandpa and ashley standing behind her since matt won't let go of the stick, grandpa suggests a hockey match to determine matt's fate (laughs) jake laughs i'm gonna clean house They head to the gym, where Matt and Jake take to the floor. As the game gets underway, Matt soon learns that the legend is true. Jake really can snake through any defense. (laughs) (laughs) The effects of the hockey stick have taken their toll on Matt, but the more he plays, the more his skills increase, until he's finally able to keep up with Jake. When Jake slips up and misses a crucial goal, he starts to falter. and Before long, Matt has mounted a comeback. With one goal left and the score tied, Jake pulls back his hood to reveal his true hideous snake head. Matt cowers at first, but then he does the impossible and snakes past Jake, only to shoot and score the winning goal. Jake hisses, collapsing to the floor as the others rush onto the rink. When Grandpa pulls Jake's cowl back, the snake creature has transformed back into regular old Jake, who looks at Matt and (laughs) chokes. You really gassed me nasty out there. After the game, everyone meets back at the Avalon to celebrate, and Matt finally trashes the hockey stick. Jake apologizes for everything and asks Shelby and Grandpa if they're going to move to the hillside area. But before Shelby can answer, Grandpa says, no way. Shelby needs to go to a nice, boring school. This place is too crazy. They all laugh, and as they go to leave, Jake runs back for his gear. On his way out, he spots the hockey stick poking out of the trash can. Wait for me, you guys, he shouts and grabbing the stick, he turns back to the camera to reveal his glowing eyes.
1: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
3: Next time, on 15, Jake has moved on to a new school with rich math and science programs and an amazing hockey team. New kids threaten the old hillside way of life. Dylan drops out again. Ashley and Matt break up. The end. The
2: <laughs> end. <laughs> That was that was bonkers.
0: <laughs> I loved it. I, you know, I could just see that playing out. I just, I could totally see that. Because <laughs> anything happens in fifteen and Hillside, right?
3: Yeah, why it's not? See- <laughs> it actually almost feels like fifteen could be an episode of Are Afraid of the Dark?
0: Like the I think it can. They both right, right. coexist the same time. The yeah, acting's about the same too. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah, so and as, as long as you only have three sets. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: We'll figure out yeah. what the story's about. It's perfect. <laughs>
2: Wait, so, so the Jake at the start of the episode, this yeah. is the same Jake as Jake Desmond? Yeah, this is like. Is you, he like? Are we imagining he like morphs? Um. Yeah. Yeah. Like in my mind, <laughs> okay. this is kind of like, uh, er, like earlier
3: than the "Are You Afraid of the Dark" episode. Like, oh, this I is see. Like okay. His introduction
2: yeah. as Jake. Got Burnley. it. Got it. Okay. Wow. A prequel to Jake the Snake. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. (laughs) I love it. That was good. Absolutely. Uh, That was great. (laughs) Thank (laughs) you. And what was that episode called? Uh, The Case of the uh, Retryouts.
3: Or I I, I had an alternate title, so I guess whichever one you guys like better. uh, The Case of the
2: Hillside Horror. Ooh. The, ca- the case of the retryouts or the case of the hillside horror? Yeah.
0: Hmm.
1: What like do you think, Danny? I
0: like the case of the hillside horror. Okay. I think I do too. That flows. I mean, it's, uh, yeah, I like it. <laughs> <laughs> okay.
2: Um, yeah. Okay. I When you said case, I suspected Shelby Woo, mm. but, you know, your brain has to go a long way to put Shelby Woo and 15 together. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, well, I I never really watched Shelby Woo, so I yeah. uh, I had no idea. But that's hilarious, though. Like, oh, wow. I
2: thought, I thought you were going to be like, so that's why I picked Shelby Woo.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> uh, awesome. Uh, well, a- Andrew, do you want to take a guess at what do you think Manny put together? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, oh boy. I'm gonna <laughs> guess.
0: It's probably not the obvious. <laughs>
3: Okay, not obvious. Uh, Hey, dude, and Pete and Pete. Mm
0: -hmm. That's what I guess. Yeah. A little little close, but no cigar. (laughs) Okay. We open at dusk on a muggy evening where we see the Midnight Society trying to conjure up a story to tell. Gary is pacing back and forth slowly Mm -hmm. while all members seem frustrated. Some are looking out into space. Even Tucker ran out of practical jokes to play on his big brother. Gary asks, does anyone have any ideas for stories? The members start to look at each other one by one as they all disappointingly shrug. No, except for Stig, who is just playing with sticks. (laughs) Kristen looks concerned and says, this hasn't happened before. We always have ideas for stories. Kiki enthusiastically shouts, I know, if I just get some blood going to my brain, then I can think of something. She attempts to stand on her head, but, sh- but she falls. She turns to Frank, who is laughing, and says, So what brilliant ideas flooded that tiny head of yours? <laughs> Gary clears his throat. If you guys are done, I have an announcement to make. I believe we all reached what I feared most, mental burnout all the members gasp and are looking worried thinking this might be the end of the midnight society gary tries to put them at ease by suggesting they should all take a short weekend trip gary says he knows a place their family vacations and where his cousin ted works best part is it's only a train ride away he invites them Mm -hmm. all to take a trip and make plans to meet at the station at 10 a.m the next day he tells them to get some sleep because tomorrow they relax at the bar None ranch <laughs> So, Andrew, you're very close on that one. <laughs> uh, wow,
1: this is great.
0: Yeah,
3: I love the uh, Midnight Society being a part, like a direct part of this.
0: <laughs> I yeah. know that's what attracted me to this idea. <laughs> yeah,
2: Midnight Society vacay. I'm, I'm down. I I, I'm more down for that than, like, say, um, uh, oh, oh, Silverite. Silversight, yeah. Oh, way, that? Yeah. Way, way more down for this type of Midnight Society outing than. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so the sun rises at the Barnum Ranch as Mr. Mm. Ernst is writing in a notebook. We all hear his voice. I heard writing down my feelings might help my stress. So here I am. Buddy is back in New York with his mom, and I worry about him being so far. I miss him. I'm always worried about the ranch. If I don't get any business soon, the ranch will be closed down. I thought I had a genius plan for Danny to perform a rain dance dinner show, but it was a drought and it didn't work. So, back to the drawing board. I've had some some of the kids brainstorm ideas. No one wants to see this place close. Lucy and Melody and Danny interrupt as he sets the book aside. Melody is reading off ideas for new attractions on the site, and they are discussing what they should do next. Mr. Ernst is standing on, standing over a map while pointing at a location. What about that building? Lucy responds, oh, that's an old abandoned saloon. Mr. Ernst perks up, a saloon? What a perfect idea. What's more better than an old country saloon? Melody says, that's, a saloon doesn't sound very family friendly for the guests since it is a family establishment. Ernst says, that's true but we can serve stuff like root beer and sarsaparilla, family dinners, we might even have a piano player and some singers and dancers. Ernest orders the crew to go about their daily duties and afterwards they can go check out the saloon and see what they can do. Danny stays behind for a moment and looks a little concerned as he remembers an old legend he once heard. Meanwhile, the Midnight Society arrives in Arizona and are headed towards the ranch. Gary is starting to feel a little overheated. The desert is much hotter than he thought it would be. (laughs) There is sweat rolling down all their faces, and they're beginning to feel the effects of heat exhaustion. Betty Ann notices a a deserted saloon up ahead and suggesting maybe they might have something cold to drink. Stig, looking a little worried, says, I don't know, guys. This place doesn't look like it's still in business. Sam says, I'm willing to see. If there's one thing our stories have taught me, it's to take chances and live a little. She chuckles as she says, besides, it could give us some inspiration. I mean, that's why we're here, right? While the saloon is worn out and old looking on the outside, inside it's pristine, shiny, and fancy looking. However, it looks like no one is in there. There is an eerie feeling that takes over them as they slowly and quietly walk up towards the counter. Tucker shouts, Hey, is anyone in here? Gary and the others turn and look at Tucker with daggers in their eyes, as if to say, What are you doing? Tucker says, What? I thought you said we were here to drink. I'm hot. With their backs turned, facing Tucker, they hear a voice behind them go, What do you have? All... Immediately jump and turn slowly to see a rather unusual man. Gary awkwardly laughs. Sorry if we startled you, mister. The man interrupts Gary by saying, That's saw do! No, mister! Accent on the do. Wait,
2: oh my god,
1: what? <laughs>
2: I mean this might as well be another triple crossover, even though it's technically canon. <laughs>
0: oh man okay so Gary and Tucker look at each other then back at Sardot then back at each other then back at Sardot (laughs) Sardot is staring at the kids and looking impatient can I help you I don't have all day Frank says you don't exist Sardot smiles at him and says if I don't exist then who is talking to you right now at this very moment young man Uncomfortable silence as Frank and Sardo stare at each other. Kiki moves Frank aside and apologizes for her friend, saying maybe he got too much sun. She orders a round of drinks for her friends. Sardo must be feeling generous and does not charge for the drinks and suggests they should stay for a while until the sun is not as powerful. Gary is very freaked out and questioning himself. Is he losing his mind? How can this be? After about an hour, Sardo tells him to kindly leave because he's expecting a dinner rush. They thank him and leave and head towards the ranch. The Midnight Society checks into the ranch and are walking around the complex trying to find their cabins. They're looking at the newly numbered buildings when the strap of Tucker's bag breaks and Gary bends to pick him up, pick all of his belongings up. At that moment, Ted notices the group and sees Betty Ann and Sam. He swaggers up to them. Well, howdy, little ladies, he says in his most obnoxious voice. And welcome to this place we call the Barnum Ranch. I'll be your guide. Sam raises an eyebrow and tells him they're just looking for their cabins. Gary and Tucker stand up stand up and run over to the rest of the gang as they recognize him. Hey Ted! Tucker yells out and he hugs him and Gary and Ted just shake hands. Stig says, So this is your cousin? He doesn't exactly look like a cowboy. I thought this place was supposed to be authentic. Brad and Danny walk towards them and greet them as they move Ted aside. Hi, welcome to the Bar Ranch. I'm Brad and this is Danny. You have to forgive Ted. He's been out in the sun too long. Ted responds by, Actually, for your information, Brad, this these are my cousins, Gary and Tucker, and they're friends. Brad, Brad rolls her eyes at Ted and then smiles at the Midnight Society. Well then, you must know him a little too well. But to answer your question, yes, this place is authentic. All you see around you is actual desert. Danny says, We're having a storytelling session around the campfire tomorrow. So do you guys have any tales to tell? The Midnight Society all look at each other and laugh. Danny, Brad, and Ted all exchange looks of confusion. Christian senses the mood and introduces her friends and explains they have been telling each other scary stories for years and how they feel that a change of scenery would be good for some good ideas and story inspiration. Tucker butts in. Yeah, we found this weird, ramshackled-looking saloon in the middle of nowhere, with with one weird dude working in there. I feel like I can make a story out of that. Danny and Brad look confused. Danny explains they thought this place was abandoned and decided to go to the office to tell Ernst and Lucy. The sun is starting to set and the midnight society explains their encounter at the saloon to everyone and now joined by melody lucy and ernst the staff at the Barnum ranch are stunned about what they've just heard it's too bizarre to believe i was just there an hour ago with melody and there is no one there it's completely dilapidated lucy starts to, lucy starts to feel uneasy as she walks over to the window to see a hazy full moon. Well, tomorrow is a full moon, and a lot of weird things have been happening in this ranch recently. I don't want to freak you guys out, but it sounds like you just saw a ghost. Danny turns to them with a, like a light bulb popped to his head. He explains that the older kids in town used to scare the younger kids with a legend at a bar. It all started when there was a bar fight over the legend of the man-eating jackrabbit. The bar owner wasn't an honest man and was trying to make some extra money. He took bets and some say they were trying to swindle the townsfolk with fake rabbit's feet and old worn-out shoes dyed in sheep's blood. There was a giant bar fight and lives were lost. No one knows if it truly exists. Some say think you can still see the silhouette of the rabbit with either a foot Or a hand in its mouth. Out by the old bar. It has to be be that saloon, Ernest yells. Melody says there's no way this is real, and tells him that they should all turn in for the night. Camera pans to Gary, tossing and turning in his bunk of the cabin. His brain won't let him sleep, and all he could think about was the saloon. By morning, Gary barely slept and is staring blankly at his bowl of oatmeal. Sam enters and sits next to him, asking him what he's thinking about. I wish I knew. I feel like I'm missing something here. Was this some kind of mirage or mixed in with some heat stroke? Was it a different saloon? Do they even have their information wrong? I feel like I'm going crazy. Sam slowly touches Gary's hand and says, "Remember, you are not alone. You have us. We will help you. And besides, if you're crazy, I'm crazy too." And they both have a laugh. Stig, Tucker, and Frank stumble towards the food line and join the, them with the girls not too far behind. They eat in silence as they they eat in silence, looking through some of the. Some of them all look like they haven't even slept well. Okay, we're all probably thinking the same thing, right? Like, what happened yesterday? Stig asks with a mouthful of eggs. <laughs> Kiki looks. <laughs> Kiki looks at him disgusted as food particles fall out of his mouth. Betty Ann explains that she went to that she went for a walk earlier, chatting with Melody. Melody asks if we could go visit them in the saloon for bref- after breakfast. They all, they all immediately talk about their theories on what's going on, including Stig's thoughts on aliens. Lucy, Ted, and Melody meet up at the gang after breakfast, and they head up towards the saloon. When they, when they arrive, Lucy asks if, the, if it's the same place. Frank replies, yep, looks like the same dump as it did yesterday. Lucy, Lucy puts her hands on her hips and says, I'm telling you, it's completely abandoned. No one has been there for years. You're absolutely sure this is the same place? Only one way to tell. Gary sucks his breath in and opens the door with the rest of the gang right behind him. It looks exactly like it did when the Midnight Society was, the day, was there a day before. Tucker runs up at the bar and grabs something and says, Here's your proof! My lucky rabbit's foot! Lukey, Lucy looks freaked out, takes the rabbit's foot from Tucker. This was here in the bar yesterday, but this place wasn't, was not in ruins. I thought maybe one of the local kids left it as a joke because of the urban legend. No, it's definitely mine, see? I painted the toenails green. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, Sardo appears again. You should really take better care of your belongings, son! Lucy's eyebrows grow wide. Melody's jaw drops and Ted's staring in confusion. Lucy mutters that she needs to sit down and sit in the bar. Melody is pale. Frank places his hand over her arm and says, Maybe you should sit down too. Unless you need to faint, I'll gladly catch you. She blushes and Frank leads leads her to the stool sitting next to Lucy. Water glasses appear before them as they sip the water. Ted seems freaked out. Listen, mister. I don't know what's going on here, but but there seems to be some confusion. How long has this place been reopened? Sardot looks exasperated and rolls his eyes. I don't know how many times I have to say it's Sardo, not mister. <laughs> Sorry, Sardot. How long ago was this place reopened? Reopened? It's never closed. My family has owned this establishment going back three generations. This makes no sense. We were here yesterday and this place is completely abandoned, Melody exclaims. No, we were... No, we are open. I distinctly remember these children and their odd clothing, you know. Like, what's that on your head? Sardo points at Kiki. I've never seen that on a lady and a female in pants. Ted waves his arms. We're getting off topic. Of According to all of our surveys and word around town, this place hasn't been open since the great bar fight. Sardo sighs. What a mess that was. But only two days. But that was only two days ago. Betty Ann asks Sardot, if if you don't mind me asking, what year is it? (laughs) Don't be ridiculous, it's 1895, he says, throwing his hands up in the air. Everyone looks at each other with wide eyes. I'm sorry to say, but it's 1995, Kristen says quietly. Sardot's eyes bug out. Impossible! I would never... That would make me 130 years old! (laughs) No, it's definitely 1995, Tucker says. This place has been closed. Many people died here during the bar fight, including the owner, Lucy told him. But I'm standing right here, alive as can be. Sardot looks confused as he's reaching some sort of existential crisis. I don't feel dead. Oh my... Am I a spirit? Why haven't I lived here? Don't tell me if I have... Don't tell me like this is like one of those campfire stories and I have unfinished business. (laughs) Stig looks at him. What, What I don't understand is where have you been for the last hundred years? Sam responds maybe he is here only when someone is in the bar and in some weird in-between sort of way. No, that can't be. He wasn't here when Melody and I visited yesterday, Lucy said. The group all pause and think, and even Sardot pauses and thinks. Gary breaks the silence. What if he's only here when someone needs something? Like, if he's needed. The first time we were here, we desperately needed water. The second time we needed answers. When Lucy and Melody were here, they were just here investigating the property. Lucy replied, Well, that makes sense. I definitely didn't need anything, although right now I feel like I need to lie down. They all chuckle. Offhandedly, Sardot mumbles, I wonder what my unfinished business is. Melody checks her watch and realizes she was late for her shift and tells the gang that they need to go back. Lucy agrees and says, and needs to update Mr. Ernst on what they've found. Let's reconvene after lunch. Without thinking, Frank says, Don't go anywhere, Sardo. Where could I possibly go? He huffs. Everyone returns to the ranch and Melody tells, and Melody and Ted go back for their shifts. Danny and Brad join Lucy and Ernst in the office. The Midnight Society has lunch. Lucy fills them in with the entire visit and eyes wide open and shocked. So does any so does this mean that we can use the saloon for the events? Ernest ask asked. Lucy rolls her eyes. We would need to talk to the owner, but we can. While the others stay behind, Ernest, Lucy, Gary and Sam, and Stig return to the saloon to meet with Sardo. When they enter the building, it looks abandoned and run down again. Ernst thinks that they're playing a trick on him and says, What the heck? You said this place was beautiful. We swear it's real. They all wander in at the same moment and Sam says, I know, we didn't come back needing anything. Sardo, Sardo, we need to speak to you. Yeah, Mr. Sourdough. I need to speak to you and I need to save my ranch, Ernest yells. Immediately everything turns clean and fancy again, and Sardo appears face to face with Ernst and yells, It's Sardo! What is wrong with you people? <laughs> Ernst obviously freaks out and stumbles into the bar and knocks over water glasses from earlier. He is shocked of how beautiful everything looks. Lucy says that it's understandable that Sardot is stuck here, and they don't know what is keeping him here. But, but they want him to figure out how. Sardot seems happy. We actually have a proposition for you. Sardot looks intrigued, while Ernst looks confused, as this is brand new information to him. We will help you figure out what is keeping you here. If, all, if you allow us to use the saloon for events in our ranch... Maybe not every night, but allow us to have music, food, and liveliness here. It will all be under your terms. Maybe we can. Maybe it will help us get to know you better and figure out what's keeping you here. Sardot looks emotional for a moment, but immediately composes himself to play it off. I suppose it couldn't hurt to try. It would be nice to have some fun here. I would like a share of some of the money, of course. Stig laughs. You're a ghost. <laughs> what do you need money for? Sir, I would gladly give you anything if you want, if you want us to help you. Ernst, Be- Ernst begs. Is there any chance you could work tonight? Maybe for dinner? Well, I would see. I would need to tidy up a bit. You would need to save some room for me. Frank, Gary, and Stig all agree to stay and clean. Ernst smiles and says they should shake for the bargain and tries to shake a spirit's hand, but it goes through. Ernst laughs nervously, and Sardo replies, Let us say it's a gentleman's bargain. And they both smile. Music plays over a montage of Sardo directing the boys to clean. Sam and Lucy are talking to the bar staff, planning the refreshments and searching the old-timey costumes to wear. Brad and Melody work with Betty Ann, Christian, and Kiki to s- to make flyers about the event that night. Ernst, Ted, and Danny walk around the cabins, passing around the flyers and talking to the guests. Then Danny and Ted bring an old-timey bartender costume to wear for the guys. The rest of the Midnight Society and the bar nun staff and guests all go to the abandoned saloon. Ernst thanks everyone for coming to enjoy. One guest says, "I don't know. This place looks like it's going to fall down." Nervous chuckles as the others follow. Mr. Ernst hands the saloon puts his hands on the saloon doors and says, "But didn't anyone ever tell you not to judge a book by its cover?" and pushes the doors open to reveal to reveal a beautiful interior. Danny sits at the piano playing. Frank, Danny sits at the piano playing. Frank, Gary, and Steg are serving root beers and sarsaparillas to the guests. There's laughter. People are playing poker, dancing to the music, eating, and just enjoying themselves. Sardot is even smiling from ear to ear. Once the guests all leave, only Sardot, the dude ranch staff, and the Midnight Society remain. Ernst looks at everyone and says, From the bottom of my heart and the tip of my boots, I thank all of you. I I think this could be what saves the ranch. It makes all for a quite great experience. More importantly, I have to thank you, mister. Ernst laughs. Sorry, Sardo. (laughs) None of this could have happened without you. I promise to bring your cut of the money. We'll be hoping to fix up the outside of the saloon. Maybe we can find a photo of what it used to look like and we could recreate it. Sardot smiles and says, that would be lovely. Everyone, everyone says they're good nights. The Midnight Society lingers behind just to tell Sardot that they're leaving to go home tomorrow. And it's been a great opportunity meeting him and hope that the bar nun staff can help him find his unfinished business. Gary tells him, Ted... Gary tells him that Ted is his cousin and he'll be back to keep in touch. They all wave goodbye and begin to leave. Gary is in the last... Gary is in the last to turn to walk towards the door. Sardot has a large smile on his face. Gary is almost at the door when he turns back and smiles at Sardot. "I think I know why you're still here." Sardot raises an eyebrow. "Oh? I think you're just a little lonely. Gary replies. Sardo shrugs. Well, everyone is lonely when you're alone. I just have one question for you. Was that tale of the man-eating jackrabbit real? Gary (laughs) asks. Sardot chuckles. Well, all I can say is just because you don't see something doesn't mean it's not there. They all smile at each other. Gary tells him he will see him around and leaves. As the ranch, as they leave the ranch, Danny comes up and puts his arms around Gary and Betty Ann. That was great! Are we still on for the campfire stories tonight? Betty Ann grins and says they feel a bit more inspiration now. It fades out and shows fire being stoked. Almost everyone is sitting around the campfire laughing. There is a little rustling sound and the camera pans over to a bush in the background. The full, moon, the full moon is bright and creating shadows. It looks like there's a shadow of a jackrabbit holding something in its mouth. The bush rustles again, and Christian, who is the closest, takes a look around. She nudges Kiki and says something like, probably Tucker is trying to scare us again. Kiki says as she rolls her eyes, then Tucker turns and asks, what did he do? <laughs> something runs quickly out of the bush into the night. And the girls scream and laugh. And they see a dog pop out of the bushes and the dog stares at them, wagging its tail. Oh, it's just a dog chasing an animal, Kristen laughs. Melody says it's probably a guest dog. Everyone is laughing at the dog and because they just saw a ghost. How, how in the world are they scared of a dog after they just encountered a ghost? Danny says, all right, everyone, I think it's time to start. Midnight Society, would you like to show us how it's done? Sam smiles and says, come on, Gary, what's your story? Gary begins to say, all right, remember that dog you just saw? Well, I've seen this dog before. In fact, if this dog had unfinished business, much like Sardot, what if this dog wasn't really a dog at all? Gary pauses and looks at the confused faces. He starts again. What if a mystical man casts a spell on you, turning you into a dog because when you were a human, you were very nasty and unpleasant to be around. The man wanted to teach you to cherish your life and be a better person. However, you are now stuck as a dog forever because your good deeds were cut short. Gary pulls the bag of sand and tosses into the fire. Submit it for the approval of the Midnight Society, I call this story The Tale of the Missing 60 Deeds. The end. <laughs> Very nice. nice. That, really good <laughs> wrap-up, yeah. I wasn't expecting
2: that. <laughs> what it, so is that the name of the episode, The Tale of the Missing 60 Deeds?
0: Oh, no. It's called oh. um, Hey, Are You Afraid of the Dark Dude? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> I love it. I'm sorry you guys liked it I'm sorry it was so long oh it's
2: okay
3: it's, no no it's cool man I um, thought you I might get a laugh
0: re- huh
3: I uh just it's weird how like well hey dude and are you afraid of the dark kind of connected there um like it feels like you can still feel the different worlds but like they I feel like they meshed together surprisingly well.
0: I know it's so weird. Like when I was writing this, I'm like, it kind of works. Like I could see this kind of happening. Yeah, and it's just very weird. But it's like, yeah, it matches together. And I thought yeah. it. I thought you guys might get a laugh of having um, Eddie McDowd cameo at the end. So <laughs> yeah, for sure, for <laughs> sure. Yeah. Which, which by the way, I have to say, I watched. Um, I didn't like it oh sure sure. yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, it wasn't very good i couldn't even i couldn't even make it past the pilot so manny that
2: just manny that just means you're a human so (laughs) (laughs) you've passed the test
3: thank you um uh, i also just want to note um that this was like this was an interesting alternate take of the art of the midnight society being in real like us following them instead of the story yeah um, yeah and we never got like the chance in the original series to see them like in uh, their regular hang out as friends. yeah yeah yeah
0: i am so, so happy cool. to hear you mention that because when i was watching the show earlier this year i'm like what would it be like if they would all just hang out and do something and yeah. this was yeah. such a perfect opportunity to do it so i was so happy to write this down and uh Explain it, and I'm I'm just I'm just amazed it hasn't happened in real life. Like, why didn't they have an episode where they didn't make it to the campfire and they ended up doing something else? Yeah, I've always questioned that because they're a good group of characters. I like all of them. Yeah,
3: for sure. Yeah. Also, um, I can't believe they never did the. Nobody can come up with a story. uh,
1: Yeah, (laughs) conceit
2: at the beginning.
3: Yeah, (laughs) it seems so like
2: right there. But then very clever. I I do I love the um like the hey dude crossover feels more natural than like I ever would have thought. But when you said he had a cousin named Ted, I honestly thought they were getting on a train to go to Wellsville and that Teddy Forsman (laughs) was his cousin.
0: (laughs) Man, that would be so weird, wouldn't it? (laughs)
2: Yeah I was like, you know what? Like Teddy Forsman and Gary being cousins kind of works.
0: <laughs> now that you mention it, I could kind of see that
1: yeah. Gary
0: is kind of like the stiff and he's more of like the jokester, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, just putting fart sound effects out of his arm and Gary just nodding his head. Like, Oh boy, Teddy, stop.
1: Yeah.
2: Teddy just um, doing bad rehearsals for the midnight society. Like, okay, I have an idea.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> um,
3: also, uh, Mr Ernst and Sardot felt like weirdly matched yeah.
1: Yeah. really yeah.
3: yeah felt like just good to have them together somehow they seemed to like complement each other a little bit
0: and yeah. I'm I'm so thankful thank you guys thank you very much yeah. <laughs> I was so nervous about this and I really appreciate your positive you know feedback thank you of course yeah
2: oh of course thank
0: you yeah it was
2: fun all right. Um well, I so I said, I, I don't feel great about this. I don't know who this episode's for. Uh I'm not even sure narratively it's makes sense. Uh so you guys will have to I I want you to be straight shooters. I want you to, I don't want you to sure, just say, sure. "Oh, good job." You know, if, I want you at the end to be like What the hell are you talking about? (laughs) Um,
0: (laughs) I didn't know we could cuss on this podcast. Okay. What
2: the (laughs) heck? Yeah, Um, what the heck? (laughs)
0: um,
2: Any guesses? Do you guys have any guesses? Mm. Mm. Just
3: based on... I I can't even remember what you said before, but for some reason, the shows that popped into my head were uh, Alex Mack and um, The Journey of Alan Strange.
0: Okay. (laughs) Well, I was thinking Animorphs, but that possibly can't be it. Um, let me think. Uh, salute Your Shorts meets... Um, salute Your Shorts meets Wild and Crazy Kids.
2: Ooh. Okay. Well, I'll tell you that one of you have one of them.
0: Mm. And,
2: uh, <laughs> and the other one is one that's already been used. Okay. So we'll just get go- you'll know real fast here. You'll know real fast uh, oh, what, right. what the main show is. Okay, all right. We hear phones ringing with surf music playing. The police station is hustling and bustling as Shelby Woo stands near an open door.
1: Wow. Mm. <laughs>
3: Double Shelby Woo. Jeez.
2: Yeah, baby, it's time. It's Shelby Woo's time. Nice. Um, she's eavesdropping on the conversation between Detective Heinlein and an officer. She hears Heinlein talking about how the police department has gotten multiple, multiple reports of power outages and strange activities occurring at the Coco Comfort Inn, including evidence that someone has stolen food from the hotel restaurant. Shelby turns to address the camera. When you live somewhere, you don't even think about the places people from out of town come to stay. But the Coco Comfort Inn is legendary around here. Some of the most famous people in American history have stayed there. I've always dreamed of going to the roof and seeing the view of Coco Beach. People say there isn't a better view around. Grandpa says one day we'll check check in for for a fun weekend, but who knows if that'll ever happen. Thankfully, I got a real taste of the Coco Comfort Inn. But as it turns out, with hundreds of possible suspects, this case threw me for a real loop. And as luck would have it, it also introduced me to a friend for life. She leans over and clicks on the computer, and we see the computer screen with that classic Mystery Files of Shelby Wu logo. (laughs) The screen types, mystery at the end. The screen clicks on a video of a handheld camera showing the lobby of a hotel. It's the Coco Comfort Inn. The lights begin to flicker in the lobby, An old man in the lobby begins laughing, enjoying the flickering lights. As the lights power down, a woman standing nearby begins to scream and points at the floor. Though we don't see what she's pointing at, she screams, It's moving! She cries, It's moving! The old man stops laughing, and his eyes bulge as he sees what the woman sees. Look! It has a cake! Whatever it is, it has a cake! The old man yelps. (laughs) The lights flicker again, and the host in the hotel lobby rushes after whatever it is they're looking at. Fade to Shelby walking into the hotel lobby. She walks up to the desk where a nervous host at the desk greets Shelby. Shelby says she's from the CBPD and she's there to investigate the events of the past evening. Shelby asks the host's name. He introduces himself as Francis Harshman. Harshman asks if she's the chief. No, she laughs. Sergeant, he asks. No. Officer? No. I'm Detective Heinlein's intern, but I assure you, Mr. Harshman, that I can be trusted to get to the bottom of the weird goings-on at this inn. Harshman refuses. I can't have you snooping about the inn and alarming the guests. They're grouchy enough as it is about last night. Next thing you know, Mr. Compton will have me fired. Who's Mr. Compton? Shelby asks. But before she can finish her thought, an older woman walks up to the desk and says she saw the whole thing last night, and she'd know the girl anywhere who did this. A girl, you say? Shelby asks. Why, yes, the woman says. The girl turned into a silver puddle and was moving about the (laughs) lobby with a cake. Did you say silver puddle? Shelby asks in shock. You heard me, the woman says. Harshman begins to get nervous, wanting to end the conversation. Shelby thanks the woman and says that maybe she'll follow up with her later. Harshman thanks the woman as well, but hurries her along along the way, asking if the woman has heard about the noon, the noon bingo game. Shelby is frustrated. When she turns around, a girl roughly her age is standing there. It looks as though maybe she's been eavesdropping, but the girl notices Shelby's upset and asks Shelby what's wrong. Shelby explains her situation and asks the girl her name. Oh, I'm Alex, she says with a big smile. Alex Mack. Shelby scrunches her face That name sounds so familiar to me Shelby shrugs Alex knowing Shelby is investigating Last night's events is nervous So to throw Shelby off Alex asks Shelby if she wants to rock around the hotel with her They exchange pleasantries And information Alex shares that she's on vacation With her family But she's originally from Paradise Valley, California They walk around looking But don't find anything of interest Shelby tells her that she'll be back later. Alex says she hopes to see her again, as there's nothing to do. All my parents want to do is swim in the hotel pool. It fades to Shelby walking into a library with her friends Cindy and Noah. Noah has a huge test in science coming up on nuclear waste and needs to study. The girls tag along. Shelby tells them about the inn and the strange power outage and the stolen food. Cindy says she's heard that the hotel is haunted, and that and the suspect is most likely a ghost so Shelby says she doubts it but as Noah studies Shelby and Cindy look through old papers about at the library about the hotel. Many of them are about the famous visitors but none indicate any hauntings It cuts back to, to Shelby's home with Grandpa Grandpa Mike is cooking in the kitchen uh, trying to flip pancakes in a pan but failing Shelby talks to, talks half to him half to herself Power outages? Weird moving puddles? Missing cake? I mean, this is also strange. Grandpa speaks as he continues to try to flip the pancakes. The Fairmount, he says. Fairmount? Shelby repeats. In San Francisco, nineteen seventy seven. Strange activities all around the hotel. They put me on the case. It was easy as pie to crack. Well, how did you do it, Shelby asks? Eggs. Huh? eggs Shelby says oh no I use too many eggs in these pancakes too heavy my dear grandpa the hotel how did you solve it he turns around and smiles find the custodian befriend them and ask to see the camera footage from last night he winks of course Shelby exclaims grandpa flips the pancake again and finally lands it still got it he says commercial break (laughs) 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 <laughs> All right. <laughs> back at the hotel Shelby meets up back up with Alex in the lobby Shelby tells Alex her plan to track down the custodian to see the cameras Alex gets nervous again oh I don't know there's, there's no way they'd let us see that right we gotta try Alex the girls wander out by the pool we see Mr. Mac doing cannonballs off the diving board Alex cringes so embarrassing Shelby isn't even paying attention. She's spotted the custodian working on something. He's murmuring to himself, upset about Mr. Compton. Do this, do that, and get paid nothing in return. I ought to get him a, give him a taste of his own medicine. He starts banging his wrench against the pipes when, she, when he notices Shelby watching him. He quickly packs up his gear and hustles away. Before Shelby can approach, Alex's parents walk up. Well, who's this, Alex? Her mom asks. Alex introduces Shelby. So nice to meet you, they say. And what are you doing at the Coco Inn? Asks Mr. Mack. Shelby tells them they're investigating the strange occurrences at the hotel. It was strange, Mrs. Mack declares. It was right as Alex and Annie went to get ice, wasn't it, Alex? Alex nervously laughs. Uh, was it? Who's Annie? Shelby asks. I'll ask my sister. She smiles. Alex, wanting to change the topic, offers to go find Andy. Annie with Shelby. They find Annie working on an assignment in, on a computer in the lobby. Alex rolls her eyes and says she's been in the lobby the whole trip working on a p- paper on nuclear waste. No way, Shelby says. My best friend Noah is doing research on the same topic right now. Annie perks up hearing Shelby. Well, I'd love to discuss it with him. Shelby smiles and offers her hand. Shelby woo. Annie Mac. Alex explains that Shelby's investigating what happened last night. Alex makes eyes at Annie as if to say, "Uh-oh." Annie says, "Oh, that. I'm sure it was nothing." She laughs nervously. Just then an old woman the old woman approaches again. "Her. It was her." She points directly at Annie. "Excuse me?" Annie says. "This was the girl in the lobby last night. I saw her running towards the restaurant yelling something. Then the blob appeared." but not her it must have been her blob scoffs alex i'm afraid you're mistaken miss i was with my sister last night so whatever you think you saw it wasn't her the old woman makes a stink eye at alex well i'm on to her she, uh she says as she marches away the girls now sit in uncomfortable silence shelby is suspicious but doesn't want to be rude well nice to meet you annie i've got to run for a bit but i'll be back later if you want to meet up alex Yeah, sure, sounds awesome. And he chimes in. Bring your nuclear waste friend. They laugh. Nuclear Noah, you got it. Back at the police station, Shelby tells the detective that Detective Heinlein that it's not just the power and the stolen food. There's a claim of a strange moving life form. Heinlein stares at Shelby exasperated. Okay, well Shelby, you need to leave it alone. I've already contacted Mr. Compton, the hotel owner, and he's not looking to press any charges. They think it was a fluke accident and we're dismissing it. Shelby can't believe it. This is bigger than stolen cake, detective. We might be looking at something of paranormal, extraterrestrial, or an unknown life form. Heinlein sighs. Shelby, he shakes his head no. Leave it alone. Commercial we're back at the library where shelby goes over the three suspects with noah and cindy she's on her computer and it has her patented shelby woo investigation tabs open we click on suspects well first i can't shake the feeling that mr harshman the hotel lobby clerk was hiding something he definitely didn't want me snooping around and he was a bit rude and a bit shifty he definitely might be hiding something but what what motive does he have asked cindy can't quite figure it out yet. He mentions something about not wanting to be fired. He seemed afraid of the hotel owner, Mr. Compton. Which leads me to our next suspect, the custodian. He has access to the power supply, and he sure seemed disgruntled with management. I need to go back and look at him further before I can tell for sure. Is there anybody else? Yeah, suspect number three, Annie Mac. While both Annie and Alex claimed to have not been in the lobby, A witness in the lobby said they saw her, running towards the restaurant yelling something, and then the blob appeared, but not Annie. I don't want to believe it, but I have to consider it. Shelby sighs. This one just feels too big. Cindy pats her on her back. You can't crack them all. Oh yeah, Noah, Annie is working on a nuclear waste paper. Noah stands up, exhausted from all his research. Take me to her now. Shelby and Cindy laugh. Shelby walks back in with Noah, and he's right where she was in the lobby before. Alex is sitting next to her, looking more bored than ever. Shelby introduces Noah, and immediately the two start talking and hitting it off about nuclear waste. Alex laughs. Let's leave them to it. As they walk, Shelby starts to vent. I mean, if that woman, if that, what that woman was said was true, we could be talking about a life form never discovered. Alex nervously chuckles. I don't know, she seems crazy to me. You'd be surprised, Shelby says. I've seen the weirdest stuff on the job, but this one feels bigger, and it's like no one cares. Alex stops her. I care, Shelby. I really do, and I wish I could help you. Shelby sighs. I'm going to try one last thing. What's that, Alex asks. The custodian. He seemed weird and angry at management, and he might be a suspect, but more importantly... He has access to the camera footage in the lobby. Camera? Alex gulps to herself? F- Shelby finally tracks the custodian down. He's banging on an air conditioner, still muttering to himself. Shelby walks up and the custodian tenses up. She explains all the details of what's going on and that she's there to investigate. Before she can even finish, he's, he says he's seen the video and offers offers her to take her to the communications room. I've watched the footage, she says. The whole thing is weird. Something's up. Shelby is shocked. You do that? Heck yeah, I hate this place, he laughs. Name is Lloyd Kreischer. He shakes Shelby's hand. So you want to see the footage? Yeah, Shelby says. Maybe we shouldn't, Alex says. No way. We could crack it. They start to walk with Lloyd. Shelby says to Alex, I guess we can cross him off the list if he's going to show us the video. They sneak into the communications room and they watch the video. They see the footage from earlier in the episode. We start by seeing Annie walk by. There's Annie, Shelby says. We then see the old people react. We then see Mr. Harshman, the lobby host, run by. So it can't be him, Shelby says. He's chasing it. They keep watching. Lloyd speeds ahead. Shelby yells, stop. Alex tenses up, there. There's Annie. She walks back to the laptop. It can't be her because Mr. Harshman chased whatever it was in the other direction. Shelby is flummoxed. Who could it be then, she says. The video essentially rules out all of our major suspects. Lloyd chimes in. Yeah, beats me. I'm going to keep an eye out, though. Thanks, shrugs Shelby. Alex comforts her. As they leave the office, Shelby asks Alex if she wants to go to the roof. She tells Alex it has been, it has the most breathtaking view of Coco Beach, and has always been a dream of hers to see it. The girls go up the stairs, but find that the door at the top is locked. Discouraged, Shelby Wu slumps and starts to head down. Alex thinks for a second, and then, when Shelby is out of sight, uses her electric power to unlock the bolt. She <laughs> squints, zip, and the bolt comes off. She yells, "Hey, the bolt's loose!" Shelby runs back up, slightly suspicious but excited. The two look out, walk onto the roof and look out over the city in wonderment. It's a beautiful view. Shelby says she's glad she met Alex. Alex says likewise, and that if she ever comes to Paradise Valley, to make sure to stay with her. As they look out over Cocoa Beach, it fades to the police station. Shelby talks to the camera again. It's a good reminder that there's not always an answer to every mystery. I can make peace with that. In the end, I got to know my city a little better and made a friend. I got Alex's number, and I have a feeling this is the start of a beautiful friendship. A woman rushes into the room. Detective, she says. Detective Heinlein, there's a call from Paradise Valley. A man named Vince Carter who represents THE Danielle Atron is on the line. She says she's heard about suspicious activity at the hotel and would like a word. Shelby's mouth drops. Heinlein declines. That case has been dropped. Tell her I'm busy. Shelby looks back at the camera. Could it be? Fade to credits.
0: (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Like, that actually works, too, man.
3: (laughs) Yeah, that one feels for sure like, um, especially the way it ends, or like the way it evolves and ends, really feels like a real episode. Like the way a <laughs> real one would play like a, out.
2: Like a I mean, real like a real sh- episode of Alex just, or Shelby. No, right. no.
0: <laughs> Even to the commercial breaks into the credits, I could actually see it. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I mean it just like um the way like the especially the way like every the story resolves between Alex and Shelby that really rang true to uh, a yeah. classic mix.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean, I had to, I couldn't have her solve it. Well, I could have yeah, had her sure, solve sure. it. But then it gets real, like, I don't know.
1: A little yeah, overloaded.
2: Yeah, yeah. Then what are you going to do?
3: Yeah, it, I mean, <laughs> this feels like something that would actually exist.
0: Yeah, um, like, it actually flows like an episode. And it really yeah. keeps you guessing, you know? Yeah. yeah.
3: Also, you did do a very good job of... Um, creating scenes that really felt like one show or the other. Mm. Um, like at different times, it really felt like this feels very much Shelby woo or this feels very much, uh, Alex Mack. Um, like the world's again, like meshed together. Well, um, I also really liked the, (laughs) the moments of the, the most famous characters, uh, meeting for the first time that felt like exactly how it would go like <laughs> almost like a pause moment like yeah it's like eh, like Annie yeah. and uh, uh, Shelby I guess meeting um just uh just that like moment where those two character, two big characters from two shows come together and meet you know uh <laughs> so that, that were good for sure I liked uh,
0: when she unlocked the door <laughs> yeah yes yeah, so I so was like good. oh yeah I can see that that's good
1: <laughs> yeah
3: yeah yeah they like weirdly weirdly worked again like yeah. I just mm-hmm. feel like it it did melt together
2: really well I originally had it um, as Alex Mack centered and where Shelby hmm. Wu came to town and Vince has hired her to be the detective. <laughs> but uh, after discussing it with a with a friend, they're just like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, why would they hire a high school? Yeah.
1: <laughs> <That's
2: good>. um, <laughs> um, although that is the entire premise of Shelby Wu. <laughs>
1: like you know, intern for friend. a day, you know? Yeah
2: um i i did end up watching because i'm not that familiar with shelby woo so i pretty much watched an episode and just wrote down the beats like Mm. okay police station get footage of the crime (laughs) uh (laughs) shelby goes to the crime scene okay she meets with her friends she talks to grandpa like it has a very strict formula Mm. um so so you're saying
0: every episode's like a copy and paste thing
2: Yes, it's like different crime copy and paste, like, okay, here's Grandpa's scene. Okay, here's her telling her friends who her three suspects are. Like
1: wow. Um, so it's okay. in,
2: in that sense it's kind of uh it felt like, oh well, at least I have a map. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <for> sure.
3: <laughs> um I was gonna say I, I like the dynamic between Shelby and Alex, like that they're kind of like almost adversaries throughout this episode. The classic, like adversaries
2: at first or on the surface.
3: Yeah. They don't really know that they would be probably friends if they knew each other like
2: better. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like it's like I feel like it's the classic Alex Mack thing that she has this secret Mm, but she wants to truly like befriend someone but the secret's kind of like ruining it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah, Sure. Yeah. It's kind of like a lot of Alex (laughs) Mack episodes.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Now that you mention it it's like actually s- way harder for her to have these powers than they yes. are
2: cool. Yeah, of. she just wanted to sneak a cake and you know like everything went haywire.
1: Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, good uh another thing like just that simple Alex Mack type of like Oh my gosh. Yes. Innocent like someone perfect. stole a
2: food, yeah.
1: <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah. Oh, Well, I, I appreciate it guys. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Good one. Yeah. Um, Well, we will uh, hopefully people enjoyed all three of those stories. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but we have, uh, we have the case of the hillside horror. Hey, are you afraid of the dark dude (laughs) (laughs) and mystery at the end? Yes. Um, And so, yeah, hopefully people love
0: those.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know what? Uh, I was also going to say, um, you guys bolted Ghosts. That's interesting. Um,
0: yeah, we did. Yeah, some
3: hint to it, yeah. Yeah, kind of like lends itself to uh, these uh, shows for some reason. I don't know. It's almost I mean, like a
0: theme episode that we all did.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: It's like that, I mean, yeah.
2: with with your uh, with your inclusion of Jake Desmond, I mean, we could oh, you know, yeah, he's yeah. a he's a type of paranormal. Supernatural. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Supernatural. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he morphs into that. But yeah. <laughs> um.
2: Well, before we go, do you guys care if we do one email here? Sure. Yeah. I mean, go no. ahead. Cool. Yeah. Uh, well, this uh, this email is from a I think it's a first time email. Uh, his name is Tim. Um, and he says, Hey, Andrew and Joey, let me just say how much I love listening to this podcast. I discovered it in the summer of 2020 in the middle of an unbelievably chaotic time in our country. I'm someone who listens to politics and I'm interested in government and how government works, but that year was just more than I could take. It was so stressful to hear of a new riot every day, constant protesting, craziness in politics like I've never seen before which caused me just to shut down all political discourse and all political podcasts. I just decided to listen to something that was fun, and when I came across your podcast, it's something I normally wouldn't listen to, but I fell in love with it right away. I think the first episode I heard was Favorite Summer Episodes, and then I saw how you guys had such a huge library of episodes to listen to that I found a new favorite. I keep trying to think about why I love this podcast so much, and I have a couple of reasons, I think. First, any other 90s podcast that I've heard just kind of sounds like a bunch of people who haven't grown up yet and want to keep reminiscing. I hate that that sounds holier than thou, but that's honestly how I feel. You guys seem to be adults, but you also love talking about 90s things, and there's nothing wrong with that. I also think this is just a really well-done podcast with background music, great interviews, great guests, great subjects, and you guys just have an uncanny chemistry. I really do, do love to listen to you guys talk with your friends you grew up with and are still friends with today. I think my favorite segments y'all do are in Reviews or Podtober, which is kind of funny to me because I've never celebrated Halloween and I don't like scary things. Really scary things, that is. But for some reason, I love innocent Halloween episodes on TV. There's something very nostalgic about it, I think. I love that y'all did the episode about Twilight Zone episodes. When I was a kid, my dad showed me The Twilight Zone, and I was just blown away. I really don't like the horror genre, but I do love mind-blowing type of things like The Twilight Zone or Are You Afraid of the Dark. Which is why my favorite show is Are You Afraid of the Dark. When I was a kid, I think I loved Doug and Rugrats and Rocco. I can't watch cartoons now, but I have seen a few episodes of Are You Afraid of the Dark in adulthood. Again, I don't mean to seem condescending for people who like to watch cartoons, but I can't pull myself to do it as a 35 year old adult. Anyway, just wanted to let you guys know you have a great podcast. Keep it up. You're creating great content as someone who owns a landscaping company and has eight to 10 hours a day by myself listening to podcasts. I know what good and bad podcasts are and you guys have a truly great one. Congrats on 200 plus episodes. I think you guys are doing a really great thing. Mad respect up buckets.
0: (laughs) That was very nice. yeah. yeah,
3: really kind, Tim. Thank you so much for saying that.
0: The, the yeah, only I thing I, the only thing I disagree yeah. with is, uh, watching cartoons. I, as the same age as this guy, I still watch cartoons every day. <laughs> I,
2: mean,
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do uh, no, watch I, yeah. a lot of
2: cartoons, uh, <laughs> but I, I you don't. Know, I get it. Totally. I don't think he meant any disrespect.
3: Yeah, I yeah, know. No, I'm yeah, just yeah. being a jerk. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no.
3: Um, yeah. Uh, really nice really nice mm-hmm. um, yeah Thank and i'm too. so glad like you're enjoying it and i especially like that you're uh listening it to it during um uh cutting the yeah, grass <laughs> or yeah. Y- yeah, <laughs> yeah yeah landscaping
1: yeah yeah landscaping
2: <laughs> for sure um, nothing better that's great yeah 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 all right well andrew what are we up to next uh next time it's the year 2001 the year yeah. in review. <laughs> yeah. That's a big one, right? Like, it's a yeah. big year in history. And I'm excited because I just... So, obviously, there's September 11th, right? Like, that's... Yeah. 2001, yeah. that's kind of the big thing. I'm excited, mm-hmm. though, because I honestly, like, don't know anything about 2001 off the top of my head.
0: Mm. No kidding. yeah um, really?
2: So, like, I'm excited to go back and be like, all right, wh- what else happened this year that was just happened to be overshadowed? <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. A couple
3: things popped into my head uh, over the last weeks that I, I like looked up. Like, what year was this? And yeah, uh, so I found a couple for 2001. But um okay. yeah, it was a, a year overshadowed by other events.
0: I, mean, yeah. I I could think of one right off the bat: Adult Swim. Mm,
2: yeah, it started that year.
0: Yeah, September second. Oh, 2nd. Okay. oh cool. cool! I was a big Space Ghost Coast to Coast fan. I still am. Mm-hmm. In Me Europe. too. Yeah, w- wanting to cool. like watch more shows from that company it was great and plus i was a georgia native anyway so that they were making the shows mm-hmm. like in my backyard so it was it was awesome wow. that's really cool I, yeah. I love their nonsensical humor and just like limited animation it's great
3: <laughs> yeah for sure for sure those uh i mean sort of starting with that space ghost uh, really changed the whole adult like cartoon landscape right then
0: I even made a, I even made an episode this year that's on my YouTube channel. It's uh oh. it's based on the fire An episode with Conan. Uh, they did a, uh, they did a table read session where they were just going through the script. The episode is way different than what the, uh, what the table read script was, but I took the audio and I edited it together as an episode. Wow. So oh, nice. awesome. if anybody wants to check that out, it's on my YouTube channel. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Very cool. Cool. Uh,
2: what is your YouTube channel name?
0: It's, um, it's a weird name. It's space dead man. It's all one word. It's, oh yes. Uh, yes. Yeah. yeah. It's D E yeah. D M A N. Very so, cool. Yeah. Speaking of my YouTube channel, I'm actually currently working on my yearly Wienerville video oh, cool. and it's going to be nice. MTV themed. It's going to be like, um, 1980s MTV and I have a bunch of music videos all edited together from the episodes and the specials, and I try to do a big Wienerville video every year, July 11th, to uh, you know celebrate the anniversary of the show. And next year's the 30th anniversary, so I'm planning something really big. I've even got a chance to talk to Mark again, and cool. um, I'm putting together a facts video currently as well. I even mm. got a chance to talk to the puppeteers and oh. prop master David Jordan. Who didn't just work on Wienerville, but he worked on Legends of the Hind Temple, all that, pretty all right. much all of the shows. Like he created the Big Ear of Corn, he made <laughs> Olmec, he made the puppets on Allegra's Window, uh, Pee Wee's Playhouse, awesome. even. So it was great. We we had a really nice conversation, and it was really it was cool. I got a lot of notes, and I can't wait to can't wait to make it next year. <laughs> that's
3: yeah, awesome. That's awesome. That'll be really cool. Thank you. I, uh, I, I'm just imagining walking into his house and it being like, <laughs> you know, just a mix up of all the stuff from these shows. But oh my
0: god, <laughs> yeah! Like he, he still does uh, puppet seminars too. Like he just, we're we're friends on Facebook uh, now, and uh, we chat every now and then. But yeah, he still like tells college kids about how to work with puppets and uh. just does all these amazing. It's not what I love about it is it's like outsider art and it's like, it doesn't have to be perfect and pristine. It just, it could just be like anything that you mismatch and match together. And just like, you make it into something that's not pretty, but it's something. And it's just like, it's great. I just love how not perfect it is. It's great. And I just, it's, it's my style and I, I love it.
1: That's awesome. Well, yeah, Yeah. hopefully
2: people look out for that and um, yeah, I look forward to it.
0: Yeah. Thanks.
2: Um, well, in the meantime, folks, if you want to get a hold of us, we're on Twitter, BOC Podcast, Instagram, Orange Couch Podcast. You can email us like Tim did at orangecouchpodcast at gmail.com. You can hear us on Spotify, Podbean, Apple Podcasts. Uh, shout out to uh, two reviewers, A506, uh, with uh, when he says, whenever life gets me down, uh, you know, he goes to the podcast uh a uh, shout out awesome. to michael62789 best 90s nostalgia podcast thank you so much um tell a friend uh tell a tell a family member why don't you sit down with me and <laughs> listen to some stories <laughs> ask say you like shelby woo right <laughs> well <laughs> yeah that's so how you start the conversation <laughs>
0: I have something very funny to say about this. I, I read my story off of a printed paper. It's a lot easier for me to read um, and not staring at a computer screen because I, I tried rehearsing it yesterday and it's just like it was just not good. So I asked my wife to print this out at her office and she has to be um, she sort of works for like this government thing and you have to get checked out every time. you have to like open up your stuff and you, the security guard has to look at it. And the security guard was looking at the story. <laughs> and uh heather was explaining like yeah it's it's called the big orange couch podcast and he's like wow i would love to listen to that i love 90s nickelodeon when i was growing up oh cool yeah so um you guys will get some new listeners (laughs) yeah thanks heather that's really cool uh
2: yeah maybe just start canvassing her workplace (laughs) some flyers
1: yeah some flyers yeah
2: (laughs) that's more than i've done i might Here's a fun fact that I don't know if I've ever shared, but like I'm not sure. I one coworker of mine knows I do this podcast, but of mm-hmm. the like 90 people I work with, nobody knows. <laughs> um, so, good work. I, good
3: I, think work. I'll, yeah, I think I'll keep it.
2: Keeping it,
1: it so sad. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah,
2: but um, all right.
0: And I love uh, uh, I love talking with you guys outside of yeah. the, the podcast too. It's great. And I'm sorry if my messages are currently bothering you guys too. Oh, not
2: at all. Not at okay, all. Okay, cool. We, <laughs> we we love having you, Manny. Thanks so much.
0: Of course, no problem.
2: Great episode. Um
3: we'll see all you magic ghosts next time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Dream will away. All mixed up, you don't know what to <I> do. <laughs> <laughs> what to do. Next thing you turn around and a person is you. Thought I think might be the thing, but you know this won't be- W-A-R-T,
2: Ward Radio, Wellsville. M- Manny, talk very
0: loudly. This is me talking very, very loudly. Next on the Big Orange Couch Podcast. <laughs>